0: Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time and for this gathering. God, we thank you for this one-year service, this anniversary service, just remembering and reflecting upon your goodness, upon how faithful you have been to us, God. I pray, God, now as you transition to the message, I pray, God, that this message message, will be the message of the hour. I pray, God, the message that you have for us, God, I pray we will listen with open ears and open hearts, God. I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. We need you right now. We invite your presence here in this place. God, we thank you. We love you. Words can We don't have words to say enough of how thankful and how grateful we are, just how faithful you have been to us, God. Lord, blessed be your name. We thank you. We love you. pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen Amen. and amen. Uh, Let's just sit and let's just greet our neighbors. Uh, Let's give a big smile and let's begin our message today. All right, so today the message is called Turn Back to Your First Love. And turn to the person next to you and say, turn back to your first love. And then say, me. Just kidding. That's creepy. Okay. Okay. So let's get right into today's message. And this message, I believe that it is very fitting for the one-year reflection and also upon everything that we've been through as a church, the things that we've been through as an individual. Let's just go right into today's message. So I've been praying this week uh, to ask God to give me a message for this hour. And today, again, it marks one-year anniversary, us as becoming an independent church. And I have been praying, Lord Give me the message, the word that you have for us today. And God, and I was led to Revelation chapter 2. And in Revelation chapter 2, it goes right in and it says this. It says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured harshness for my name, and have now grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. This is God speaking through John. It says, you have forsaken the love you had at first, meaning you have forsaken your first love. Repeat after me, first love. Verse Verse 5, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I'm not interested in hearing good sermons. I'm not interested in looking well or looking good on stage. Anyone can speak well and look good on on stage. But what's important is that whatever we learn, whatever we hear, that we learn to apply them to our lives in our own personal walk, as a church that we apply them to our church, and that every day that we are being sanctified in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that happens naturally as you abide in Christ, we, 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 we naturally become transformed and we become in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 to 7, this passage, it really reflects our church perfectly. When I say our church, I'm talking about our deep roots church. So let's just take a moment to dissect this passage real quick. So Revelation, which is another word for apocalypse, apocalypse, right? It's, 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 a symbolic, it's a symbolic book filled with visions for the end times. It was fitting for the first century church that John was speaking to of the seven churches. Now, I know the seven churches in my head, but I have a hard time uh, like saying it in pressure, like on stage. What I tried to do what I remember. So Ephesus, there's Laodicea, that's easy one. And there's Philadelphia, that's easy, right? Philadelphia. And then there's uh, Sardis, and there's um, Thera, Theratia. And then there's one more. I said six, right? I have one more. Uh, Pagam. Uh, Parga, yes, Pargamum. So those are the seven churches. So the word seven, the number seven, it's gonna continually shown in the book of Revelation. As you read the book of Revelation, number seven is going to continually, it's gonna to continue to show up. And that number seven it means completeness. So it's talking to all the churches of the world, not just the churches in the first century, but it, it transcends time. It's speaking to churches, even our church here today in two thousand nineteen. Our deep roots church is speaking to our church, and the church that we're focusing on today is a church in Ephesus. It's a, a church called Ephesus. It's a church in Ephesians. And it talks about that in the book, in the the book Revelation, Apocalypse is talking about symbolic visions. It's giving us warning. John the writer, he's giving us warnings from God. He's giving us visions from God, just like the book of Ezekiel, just like the book of Daniel, just like the book of Ezra, just like the book of Enoch. God is giving vision to John, speaking to the churches in that current time period. John the writer, he's getting revelation from God and is addressing specific issues to the surrounding churches in the region. Just like just to give you an example, it's like if brother Enrico was a district manager of Starbucks, right? He's not just a manager of a Starbucks one store in Kloster or Harlem or whatever, it doesn't matter, but he is a district manager of a region. Then he would go around and he would address specific issues according to the specific store, the management. Some store have this problem, some store will have this problem. Each store will have different issues. So in the seven churches, there were different issues. And our church, it fits, it fits so perfectly with the church of Ephesus. And in this book, in chapter 2, it talks about how there are all these churches in the surrounding region, they were apathetic, they made compromises, and they were sexually immoral, they slept around, they worshipped in pagan temples. And it's a warning that God gives to John that faithful churches churches are under attack. And it's a warning to John that churches are going to get worse, things are going to get worse. He's pretty much telling John they're going to have two options. Number one, you either be faithful to Jesus and expect persecution. Or number two, deny Jesus And not be persecuted. So if you're part of the world, you're going to be okay. Physically, mentally, spiritually, you're not gonna be attacked, you're gonna be fine. But if you're gonna truly follow Jesus faithfully with a genuine faith in God, then expect persecution and things it's a warning that things will get worse. So when I read when I read in Revelation chapter 2, the Ephesian church, from 95 AD to deep roots church 2019. There's a deep correlation between the Ephesian church and our deep roots church, and I believe that it is very fitting for the season that we're in and what type of church that we are here, that we are in in this time and age. The Ephesian church, it remained faithful to God. Check, like, like our church, we're pretty faithful, right? Andy, are we faithful? Would you say? Yeah? You don't, Is this one of those like when Ronnie makes you food and he says, is it good? And you goes, yes. And he doesn't know whether he's telling the truth or not. The the church? Okay, we'll see. So the Ephesian church, they remain faithful to God. Check, like us. Ephesian church went through many trials, testings, difficulties. But the church remained faithful to God's word. Yes, check. Kind of like us. Their attitude was, for Christ's sake, we had a Bible study lesson on this, that everything that we do, is we do, we do it, we live, and we do things because we live for Christ's reputation. Check. So in the textbook sense, this church, the Ephesian church, they were perfect. Their motives were pure. I mean, in a society, in a society where majority of the churches they tolerated sexual sin with pagan worship, the Ephesian church did pretty well. They did fairly well. So in the study commentary, oh we're not there yet, Brian, but now we're there. Okay. <laughs> Christ commanded the church. The, in the commentary, it says Christ commanded the church at Ephes, uh, Ephesus. Four. Number one, they work very hard. Let's do one by one. It goes one by one, right? Bruh, you're giving away all the answers. One by one. Number one, they worked hard. Check, like us. Number two, they persevere. Check, like us. They resist the sin. Check, except for Ronnie, like us. Number four, critically examine the claims of false apostles. We've had lessons on this. Talked about the ministries around us, the things that they're teaching, the things that, that they claim to be apostles, but again, we go back to the word of God as our reference. Check, we are doing that. Meaning, we had a Bible study and, and, and we understand that number five, that we endure hardships like a ghost soldier without becoming weary. Check. As a church, as the Ephesian church, as they endure hardships, us too as a deep-rooted church, We also endure hardships. So then what was the problem? What was the problem with the Ephesian church? If they were so perfect, if they did everything right according to the textbook, if they did everything right according to the law, what is the problem here in Revelation chapter 2? Why is the Ephesian church mentioned in the scripture? The problem is that they had lost their first love. Say with me, first love. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't lose your first love. Some of you are thinking about that individual, the girl, the boy that got away, right? I'm talking about God. Somewhere along the way, through many trials and difficulties and testings, the church, the Fusion church, they have lost their first, their first love. They have forsaken their first love. The Ephesian church who were once known and commended for their, number one, they were commended for their love for God, and number two, they were commended for the love for others. This goes into the scriptures. Even in the book of Ephesians in the Bible, it says in Ephesians 1.15, it says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church. So you see the connection here. In John, the Ephesian church is found in the book of Ephesians. That's who Paul is talking about. So this is in 1.15 for your reference, Ephesians chapter one verse fifteen. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, so right away from this passage we understand that they have faith in the Lord Jesus and they have love for all God's people. They were good. Ephesians four thirty-two. It goes on. It says Paul encourages the Ephesian church. He says. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So they are taught in the right way to love, to be compassionate, to forgive, just as in Christ God forgave us. In the Ephesian church, it was filled with a lot of second generation members, just like you and I. We are a second gen of our generation, second and third our parents are getting older. Eventually, that generation will pass away. The next mantle that is given is to you and I. It's us. It's our job. It's, us. it's time for us to take the baton and to run the race faithfully. And because the Ephesian church was filled with the second generation of Ephesian members, they had lost, number one, they had lost their love for God. And number two, they had lost their love for people. And everything, it comes down to these two things. You love God, it comes down, the commandments, the Ten Commandments comes down to two things. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second is to love your neighbor as yourself. The church, the Ephesian church, they did, quote unquote, they did things because they had to, out of obligation. Sometimes when you and I, we do things for church, when we do things for God, you do it for obligation. You do it out of responsibility because you have to. Just like the Ephesian church, we do the same way. They did things, quote-unquote, they did things for the sake of being responsible. They did things because they did not want to disappoint. They didn't want to disappoint their leaders. They didn't want to disappoint their neighbors. They didn't want to disappoint people. Therefore, they did not do it for God. Their motive, The motives of their hearts were all wrong. There was no love for God, and then there was no love for their neighbors. I saw a documentary with my father. I tried to spend some time with him. And we watched things with uh, uh, with Christian documentary and things. And one documentary we got into was about this Korean pastor. And he does this low-key discreet. But I was, I was like, wait a minute. But why is his face showing in YouTube? <laughs> they should be covering his face, right? Because even in China, uh, when I went on missions, they don't use the word pastor. Even in email, you can't even write the word church you have to write club right you call it club and you have to do things very carefully but this guy is all over youtube and the camera's following him and then like they were going to this uh, border of north korea and they help uh, these young women who were trafficked with cyber camps sexual trafficking they will come and they will help them to get into china in Yenji, and from Yenji they will bring them to from china they bring to the korean consulate and they would bring him safe passage. And he would say that he, was, and there were those pictures that he would show. He would, he helped a lot of people, thousands of people along the way over the years. And he's an old man now. And he said that whenever he did it, that he, whenever he says bye, when he, when he, when he drafts them off at the consulate, when he says goodbye to that individual, he says goodbye knowing that it will be the last time seeing that individual. And he says that he does this because his motivation is because it's his love for God and it's his love for God's people. And it's at first, the reason why he said it, was, it would be the last time that he would say bye tonight is because over the years, whenever he helps these people, they would never email or call and say, thank you, pastor, for anything. And, and he said when he was younger, he did things very personal. And it hurt him a lot. It hurt him deeply. I mean, imagine you know, the risk of, helping someone, and he, could, and he was in jail, and the risk of just making that risk, risk of going and, and saving people, and, and, and the person that you save, when you say goodbye to them, they say, oh, I will call you, I will, I will reach out to you, pastor, but they don't, and, and as a pastor, I, I, I understood what he was saying, but the greatest lesson that I learned as, as I'm doing ministry is that I don't take things personally. Whatever I do, whatever I help that individual in that moment was God used me at that time to be a help for them. But then it was time for them to go. And for him, he understood that he's not doing it for anything else. He's not doing it for fame. He's not doing it for him. But he's doing it for, for God and for, for, for just for his passionate love for his neighbor. And that's it. Nothing more and nothing less. And that's what keeps him going. And that's what keeps him grounded in the faith if he took it where, oh, they didn't reach out to me, and he's doing it for fame, he's doing it for people, he's doing it for himself, just for him to feel better, then we know that we will not last in the kingdom of God. Just like you and I, if we don't have true passion for God, if you don't have true love for God, if if you don't have these two things, if you don't know why you do what you do, if you don't have love for God, if you don't have love for people, then you will not last in the kingdom of God. If you're doing it for the sake of being responsible, if you're doing it for the sake of not wanting to disappoint disappoint people, if your motive is just to keep an image of yourself of a Christian, just to look good as the Ephesian church, then you're doing it all wrong. You have to go back to the the foundation and the basic foundation. The basic is it's for God and it's for your neighbor. Let's go back and read Revelation 2 once again. I know your deeds. Your hard work and your perseverance is talking to the Ephesian church, like our church. I know you guys work hard. Look at the decoration. Look at all this. Look at everything that we're doing as a church. We are working hard. We are persevering. And we are doing the deeds. We are doing the right work. We're doing nursing home. We're doing missions. We're doing everything that we can to serve God. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And have found them false. I mean, that's commendable as a church. The Ephesian church, they're doing good. They're doing well. Verse 3, you have persevered and you have endured harshness for my name. And have not grown weary. That's amazing. But God says this, yet, yet. I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken your first love. Consider, think about Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So I have two major points for you. Number one is first love. I'm pretty sure it's like a K-pop title, uh, like one time or something back in the 90s. But anyways, don't Google that. Okay, or a Jinushan or something. Ronnie would know. pop Okay, first love. Okay, let's talk about love real quick. I want to just talk to you guys about what, what love means. And let's begin by ex- explaining what the scripture, what the Bible says, what love is. Our main passage for love is 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. First John chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. i say it again. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Let's take a look at verse 4 in Revelation chapter 2. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Meaning, you have forsaken your first love. So again, we have two major points. Number one is first love, and then and number one, we're gonna have three subpoints, and we're gonna na- we're gonna uh, we're gonna name it by the letter. Letter A. Let's talk about how love is a command. That love is law. So John thirteen thirty four says, "A new command I give you: Love one another." As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So we understand that love is a command from God. Just like a commandment, the Ten Commandments, you have to love each other. You have to love your neighbor. You have to love your God because that is a command that is given by God. So for example, you feel like Stealing, right? You feel like shoplifting. But we know the law says shoplifting is illegal. The law is law. It has no regard to its feelings, to how you feel. Whether you want to steal or not, it doesn't matter. The law says you cannot shoplift. Whether you're in the middle of the night, whether you want to run the red light or not, whether you feel tired and you feel like you want to do it, you feel like the cop's not looking, speeding at red light, that's, that's the law. It's still the law. Law is law. So as Christians, you are called to uphold the law of love. It's a command from God. You are called to uphold it. You are not called to break laws based on your feelings. So with that, we could say that love is not feelings, right? In a marriage or in a relationship, and once you guys get married, you'll know that love is not about the the feeling, the butterfly, and I feel like loving that person, no, it's a choice that you make. It's a command that is given by God. We understand that. It's a choice. So John 13, 14, it says, it goes on. A new command I give you. we Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. John 15, 12, 14. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, the word command could keep showing up. John 15, 17, a few verses later, this is my command, love each other. So what love is what? Love is a command from God. But here's the thing, love is not like the law where you have to think about it and you have to force yourself to think that way. It's something that comes naturally. So the love, it no longer becomes the law of the paper, in the letter, according to the law, but it becomes a law of the heart. So if if, if the law of love becomes the law of your heart, what once was a bounding law, it becomes a liberating law, meaning it becomes who you are. It's not just about doing. It's not about doing love, but it's about being love. So it, it comes from the inside out. It happens naturally. It becomes who you are. It becomes the fruit of the Spirit, like as, as mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. But the first thing that it mentions in Galatians 5 is what? Is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So you cannot be in between. So if this section was. Was, was, was a section where you have the law of love, and this section is a section that whether you don't, and you are an individual where you feel like you're in the middle, it doesn't work that way. You either, it's one or the other. You either have the law of love in your heart, you either have the fruit of the Spirit, or you don't. And love, the law of love comes down to this. In Matthew 22, 36 to 40, it says this, that hearing that Jesus has signs the Sadducees. the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law. Again, he's an expert in the law. He pre- pretty much, he knows, he knows his scripture, he knows everything, he, pre- he memorized it. He tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And how does Jesus reply? If you remember, he says this, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. And it says all the law and the prophets hang on to these two commandments. So we see that it comes down to, number one, you love God. And number two, you love your neighbor. This is a command. So again, A is law; Love is a command from God. It's law. B, love is a choice. We talked about this a little bit. And letter A, in marriage, you do not fall out of love. When you get divorced, people say all the time, oh, I just fell out of love. No, you no longer choose. You no longer choose to love. Love, and listen to me carefully, is an act of the will. Love is a choice. It comes down to you making that choice every day, day in and day out. You have to make that choice each and every single day. If you remember Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with Will and his uncle and his dad, he comes and his dad promised to hang out with him and take him out to this trip. But he said he has to go to work and he bails out on Will. And this is an actual, it's, again, the show is what? It's comedy, right? This is one of those moments where it got really serious and Will, he like cried and everything. And, he, and, 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 and before Will comes into the scene, the uncle uh, Uncle Phil, who took Will as his son, quote-unquote son, who took him under his wings, he was having a conversation with the dad, with the biological dad of Will. And what happened in that conversation? He said that you don't know what it's like. The dad was saying, you don't know what it's like. You don't know how difficult it is to be a father. But he said, no, you chose to do that way. It's, I understand how difficult it is, but you make that decision. You make that choice to love. You make that decision to stay. And we make excuses and we, make, we say things all the time. Honey, why did you change so much? Why did you, you put on extra weight? But are you forgetting that you too, you changed as well. Some for the better, some for the worse. But Jesus is very clear that he even said that love is a choice. That even, even when it comes down to your enemies, even when it comes down to people that you don't like, it says... That even for enemies, says, love your neighbor and hate. It says, it says to love, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's what you've heard your whole life. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. John Piper says it like this: So when Christians live this way, meaning forgiving and loving, by God's power, we show something of what God is like. That the hearts of Christians are satisfied with God and are not driven by the craving for revenge or self exaltation or money or earthly security. The power to be merciful to love is that we have been satisfied with God's mercy toward us and the ultimate reason for being merciful is to glorify God, that is to help others magnify Him for His mercy. We want to show that God is magnificent. We want our love by God's mercy to make, make, to make God look great In the eyes of man so again love is a choice that you make every single day and last last so point letter c agape love let's finish with this and then we'll go into point number two again we only have point two two points agape love is 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 love like no other is incomparable we talked about this at the retreat. Agape love is the highest and the greatest form of love. Agape love is the greatest love. Agape love is perfect. It literally, this love, it gives all and it doesn't expect anything in return. It doesn't expect profit for what was given. It's the unconditional love of the Father. It is priceless, it is spotless, and it is pure. John fifteen thirteen it says, greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his, one's life for one's friends. Agape love is the love of the Father just to the prodigal son, the wistful son. Agape love is a shepherd, Jesus Christ, who would leave the 99, who would leave the 99 to pursue that one individual. Agape love is the incarnation, the humility of, of, of Jesus to become a human being, a human form in the flesh, to live and to live in this world and to die on the cross for us. That is the agape love. Agape love. When you and I, when we truly understand the agape love of God, it changes everything. You cannot live the same way. It will, that agape love, it will help you. For the, some of you, you have issues and you, have, you, have, you struggle with, with forgiveness. You have, you have things with bitterness and resentment. This agape love will help you to forgive because you too have been forgiven by this agape love. This agape love helps you to serve others, to serve people around you with humility as Jesus served with humility. So when we are touched by this agape love, naturally, from inside out, you will have genuine love and care and desire and respect to serve one another. Let me, let me finish the section with First Corinthians chapter 13. It says this. In verse 1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels... But do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You're just a noise. If I had the gift of prophecy, and a lot of people, a lot of churches are into prophecy these days, right? A lot of prophecy. And you can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. But do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love... I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease, where there are tongues, they will be still, where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, that when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me, childish ways behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, faith, hope, and love, is love. You know, when I read this, I never want to read it because I know that I am nothing like this. I know I fall short in so many ways that, you know, like love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, boast, proud, self-seeking, easily angered, and keeps no record ones. Who can truly say that we have this type of love? Only the agape love can say this statement. It's the perfect love. It is the uncondition- un- un- unconditional love of the Father. So just to go over love is a command love is a choice you have to understand the agape love and that will transform your way of life. It will transform everything. Now point number two. Again, we only have two points today. Point number two and we're ending with this consider repent and do what you did at first but we're focusing on the word Repent. Let's turn to your neighbor and say, consider, Consider. repent, Repent. and do do what you did at first. Truth. God does not need you. That is the ultimate truth. You need him, but you need him, though. But God doesn't need us. But God, he wants, he desires. That's the difference. He doesn't need us, but he wants you. He desires all of you and not half of you. That our prayer right now as a church, guys, as we're hitting one-year mark, our prayer needs to be, he must increase and I must decrease. As God increases in your life, God is going to want every part of your being, every part of your thoughts, every part of your heart. There are no compromises. There are nothing, there's, there's nothing that God doesn't want from you. He wants all of you or he wants nothing from you. Verse 5 and 6 in Revelation chapter 2. It says, just consider how far you have fallen. I want you to just think about that statement real quick. Consider how you have fallen. What happened in the, in the verses before? They were commended for their, uh, for their perseverance and just being aware of false apostles and teachers and all these different things, but consider. Just, God is saying, consider how far. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent. And do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Later we're going to talk about what that lampstand means. Lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So let's talk about real quick what Nicolaitans is. They were believers, they were a group of believers, quote unquote believers, who compromised Their walk with God with sexual sins. They partook in practices that they knew it was sinful. They knew that it wasn't the right thing, but yet they did it anyway. And and at the same time, they hinder others to do the exact same. So it's talking about, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. But it says, repent. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. So we have to understand, this helps us think. This helps us to put everything in perspective. That yes, God loves you. God loves you today. Yes, that is true. Andrew, God loves you. Dan, God loves you. Brother Enrico, God loves you. Wesley, God loves you with agape love. That is the truth. But the truth is, on the flip side of that coin, is that God's wrath is also very real against sin. Sexual sin. Sin against God. This is a fact, and this is a reality, and this is the gospel. John three sixteen, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, begotten son, to, to die to die for us, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the truth. For God so loved the world, for God Agape God loved the world. But at the same time, God's wrath is very real there's absolutely nothing that you can do or cannot do for God to love you anymore or for God to love you any less. God created the earth, the world in motion and set it in its right degree of alignment that if earth tilted this way, that we would freeze. If earth tilted this way, we would burn out and we would die. He set it just perfectly for us to, uh, to inhabit life just so that, he could, so, that, so that it could be a livable place for human, for human life, just so that he can create us, so that he can love us, so he, so to, to give us a plan and a purpose. And Psalm Psalm 139 reminds us that he knew us, that he knew us before we came to be, that while we were in the mother's womb, that God, he knew us and he predestined us, that he had a purpose for your life. So we understand that God's love is real, but at the same time, the flip side of that coin is that God's wrath against sin is also very real, that God abhors sin. Let me just be real quick, just give you supportive, supporting scriptures. Psalm 5, verse 4 to 6, it says, For you are not a God who is pleased, meaning he's not, he doesn't delight with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. What happened to John three sixteen? But evil people, you're not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong, meaning sin. You hate, who co- you, you hate all who commit sin. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty, the deceitful, you, Lord, detest, meaning the Lord abhors deceit. To continue on, the Bible goes on and on in Psalms and Proverbs. It goes as the Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. So can God, says here that he hates hates wickedness with a passion. And it goes on. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness, a liar who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community or in the church. God hates it. He hates it. The Bible also goes on and probably the Lord detests the sacrifices of the wicked. But the prayer of the upright pleases him. Remember with the, article, the book that I sent in the IPG group chat? It's about how God hears intercessor. To, to have intercessory prayer, it means you're standing in gap of someone. Meaning that if you have a but at first first and foremost, you as an intercessor... You have to be in the right standing, in a proper standing before God. And here it is. It says, but the prayer of the upright pleases Him. God listens to uh, the prayer of someone who is upright versus someone who is living a sinful life, who is intentionally sinning, who has arrogance and pride, but the humble, the upright that pleases God. The Bible also says, the Lord detests away the wicked, but He loves those who pursue righteousness. Do you today pursue righteousness? Do you love the things of God? Proverbs 15, 26. The Lord detests the thoughts, the thoughts of the wicked. Imagine the action of the wicked is bad, but imagine their thoughts. How wicked can their thoughts be? The thought is a scary place, right? Just the things that we think about every single day. Someone cuts us off, the thoughts that we have of doing evil things to that individual. He hates, detests the thoughts of the wicked but the gracious words are pure in insight. So the answer, it comes down to this. For point number two, the answer is this, that you must repent. If you do not repent, God will remove your lampstand, meaning you will no longer be useful in His kingdom. That's what it means. When God removes the lampstand, you will no longer be useful in the kingdom of God. Meaning as a church, right now, listen to me carefully, as a church, we will no longer be useful in the kingdom of God. We're just making noise, and we are just another community, and that's it. And that's a scary reality, that God will remove our lampstand. You could stand on your works. You could stand on your perseverance. You could stand on the things. But if you don't have love for God, if you don't have love for your neighbor, then everything, it goes down the drain. If you do not repent every single day as a church, if you do not realize that, it, it takes a second for us to go from humility to becoming proud. It's like someone saying, I am the most humble person in the world. It's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? It is that easy for us to fall. And it's that easy for us to lose track. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need God in our lives. That's why we need humility. Verse 5. Consider, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So if you are here today and you have this attitude right now, as you're sitting here today and you have this attitude that God needs me here, then please just leave. God doesn't need anyone. God could use even the rocks to cry out to him. He could use any individual. But God wants you. He desires you. He desires to have all of you. That's the difference. He doesn't need us. God doesn't need us. We need him. God uses the broken, the wasted, the lowly, the ones who feel like you're not good enough. God uses those things, those individuals who feel like they don't have what it takes. Because that gives glory to God because you are not doing it in your own strength but you're doing it from the strength that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is always hand to hand with humility. Do you understand that? A proud person will never repent. A proud person will never go on their knees and pray because they're the God of their own life. But only a humble individual will go on their knees and pray and ask God for forgiveness. For forgiveness. Because they understand that everything they have, it comes from God and God alone. And that's it. They don't stand on their merits. And that was a warning for the Ephesian church. They were standing on their works. They were standing on their reputation, on their experiences, and all the years of missions and, and retreats and the priest team, the title. They're standing on the platform. They're hiding behind the platform. They're hiding behind the image of reputation. But God sees right through all that you have to have love and you have to repent. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from this place. That means that you, our church, you will no longer be useful in the kingdom of God. You're just a resounding gong. You're just noise and we're just here as, as just another church. If you Google how many churches, they'll give you a number. I don't know. And we'll just be that number within this region. And that's it. Just a church, just a building, just a name. We have the form, but we have no substance. We have everything that looks good, but inside we're a dead corpse. That is a warning for our church. That is the season that we're in. Jesus is asking you right now, do the word, do Revelation chapter 2. Right now, each and every single one of you here, who are here in this room, just asking us to think about how far you have fallen. How far you have fallen. Some of you think, oh, I haven't fallen that, that much. I'm still doing everything in the checklist. Yes, so did the Ephesians church. But the reality is that their heart was far from God. You have to repent. It's an action. Turn and do the things that you did at first. What are some things that you did in the beginning when you met God in your life? I remember when I was in middle school, sixth grade, with the cassette player, the big speak, the boombox thing. I had it right by my bed. My bed was tiny, and I um, would and put it right there, and I would play the cassette. The cassette player play music, play worship songs, and I would worship. And I remember I would cry on my knees. And, I, and sixth grade, think about it, such a little kid, like, what are you doing? And just worship God because you know that he is your everything. Going back to the basics. When I was young, volunteering soup kitchens, every Saturday just going, not because I have to, but because I want to. During my breaks at work, at Starbucks, I would go. During the minutes that I have, I would go and listen to praise songs and worship God. I also pray for my friends. I also prayed for my coworkers. I also had the boldness to speak about my faith. If, 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 if my coworker was going through a thing, I would, I would go and ask, and I would, I would present my faith with confidence, and I, I would, again, I was young, but at the same time, I was bold, and it, it didn't matter what people thought of me. It mattered what God thought of me, and I also forgave my enemies, but you know what? As I'm getting older, uh, it's getting harder to forgive your enemies, Sometimes they say, "It gets easier. I don't know. As you're getting older, the more you experience, it does get harder. Everything just seems to get harder. Everything, just physically, even just doing things and everything, it just gets harder. And that's why as you get older, you need to become more childlike, because a child will run to the father, right? A grown-up brother because not going to be like, "Ah, damn!" Like, maybe. You never know, but that's beautiful remember when we visited Brother Enrico's hometown in the Philippines. You haven't seen them for, what, 17 years? About 17 years. So now it's been, uh, if you didn't go that time, it would be like 20, over 20. Yeah, and that was beautiful. When, I, when we saw we got to win this Brother Enrico, see his brothers and, and his parents and his aunts, and just, just being able to see them and just being able to show that love, just, just, just running back to the Father's arms. And that's what God desires of us, to run to him with a childlike attitude. As you get older, you have to become more childlike, not childish, but childlike. Because childlike is the humility, is the innocence of loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When I was younger, I didn't didn't chase worldly dreams. My only desire was to honor God. Uh, instead of going out with my old friends, I remember when I was younger, I would lock myself in my room and pray. Because when I go and hang out with my friends, there will be temptations, and I will fall into bad habits. Meaning I, I had to cut, it took time, but I had to cut bad habits and bad relationships for my life. People who are, uh, who are not the best for me. And, 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 and again, it feels like it's for me, for me, but I am talking about me right now. I'm just giving you an example but I had to I had to make those hard choices. I didn't go and tell them, Look, I can't have you in my life, but I just did it naturally, knowing that I needed to pursue Jesus Christ. That I needed to pursue him with all of my heart. It says the Bible says the children, you need to become like children, because the children are the least. It says, it says Jesus says the least shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, we must run to God like a child, like a childlike heart, as children will run to their Father. Some of you, you have grown up too much in the world. You have experienced, you have too much. And you are too proud. But you need to humble yourself today and become like a child. You need to run after our Lord, Jesus Christ. Let's just end it again with the main passage. Let's all read it together. Let's put it all in perspective. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 to 7. Let's all read together. Ready? One, two, three. I know your deeds. Stick on verse seven real quick, let's read that together one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. It says, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. So the spirit is saying to our church right now, are you listening? Are you listening? You're doing all the works. You're here. You're doing everything right. But are you listening to what the Spirit is saying to the churches, to our church? To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. What did Adam and Eve eat in the beginning in Genesis? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. They didn't eat from the tree of life. The tree of life represents who? Jesus Christ, the life everlasting. If we eat that tree, we have that tree of life. Because in chapter 21 and in 22, it talks about the new creation, the new Jerusalem. But you know what? If you read the, we're going to do Bible study on the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is amazing. But pretty much the whole book is centered around number seven. And it's centered around around tribulation. It's centered around trials and testing. And at the end of the day, the way that we will overcome Satan, that we will overcome, Christians are going to be persecuted all over the world. So many people are going to die. So many people are going to be persecuted for their faith because they are the genuine faith, they're genuine churches. But at the end, we are able to triumph against the enemy through love. The Lamb of God comes with love. And at the end of the day, we have a new creation. We have access to Eve from the tree of life. The Spirit is speaking to us right now. But do we have ears to listen? Are we listening to what the Spirit is saying to you, to our church, to our deep roots church? Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Put our church in there. Put yourself in there. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Ever since Adam and, Adam and Eve we were cut from the Garden of Eden, the paradise But through Jesus Christ, we have access to the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So the question is, why are you here today at church? Why do you do what you do? Why are you here? Why do you even have faith? Are you here today at church just to go through the motions? And if you are here just going through the motions, you will not last in the kingdom of God. Guys, you don't understand. Right now, we have it pretty good. We have it easy. But when the end time comes, it says that many will leave the faith. The path to eternal life is not that easy. It's going to take, take all of you. You have to carry the cross. It says you have to die to yourself. You have to carry the cross every single day. There's no such thing as a casual Christianity. It's, 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 it's a call for everything. It's all of you or it's nothing. And that is a warning that John gives in the book of Revelation, to the audience, he's speaking. Why are you here today? Are you going to either choose God, be faithful to God, and be persecuted? Are you willing? Because that's what's going to happen. Not if, but it's when. Some of you, and as a church, we've been through persecutions. We've been through trials. So we understand. But what we are going through right now is just getting us ready. It's nothing in comparison to what's coming. That's what John is saying to the churches. Ephesians church What's coming? You have no idea what's coming. It's going to get worse. Or are you going to forsake? You either forsake and you will be welcome into the world and you will not be persecuted. It's one or the other. And it comes down to this first love. Number one. Number two, consider, repent, and do the things you did at first. If you don't have these things, eventually your act, your act, your Christian act, your act of faith will run out and you will burn out and you will not last in the kingdom of God. But you have to be active. Number one, turn back to your first love. Turn to your neighbor and say, turn back to your first love. Turn back. Number two, consider. Let's say it to our neighbor. Consider, consider. Repent, repent, and do the things you did at first. So the answer is we have to repent if we don't repent God will remove our lampstand what does lampstand do it gives light would you ever run at a park where there's no lampstand no if you want yes you want to be kidnapped and killed yes go right ahead Yeah, run in the dark and <laughs> but you only run when there's light because light brings protection light you're exposed if you're standing in God then you know then you'll be okay. And as a church, if our light is dead, if we're not a light to this society, to this world, then we are as good as that. If we don't have salt, if we don't have salt and we don't have light, then we are just clanging somewhere, We're just noise. We're just an organization. That's it. We will no longer be useful in His kingdom. He will remove our lampstand, meaning our church will no longer be useful. Let's be useful in the kingdom of God. When we go on missions, Right? God uses us. When we go to nursing home, God uses us. I mean, what an amazing honor and glory it is to be used by God to have the lampstand. Let us carry with the light of Jesus Christ in our hearts, in our lives, in our thoughts, in our, in our actions. Amen? At right, this time, I'm going to ask the team to come up. Not the whole team. Um, but if you could just bow your heads with me. If you just close your eyes and your head bowed and with reverence before God. Let's pray a prayer of reflection. Pray for us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word through Revelation chapter two. We thank you for the word, for the season that we are in. We thank you that, God, you are a God who is alive and you are not a God who is dead. We thank you, God, that you bring conviction to our hearts every single day. We thank you for the gift of your your Holy Spirit that brings us wisdom and discernment to live a godly life. Even though so many times, God, we fall short in so many ways, we fall short in many ways. We fall short in all the time, God, we fall short in our flesh. We know that, God, that through you, that through the Spirit, through the power of repentance, through your Holy Spirit, that we can overcome all things. That, God, even though a righteous man falls seven times, completely will fall, completely will fall all the time. It says, God, though a righteous man falls seven times, he or she, they rise again. Why? Because it's by your grace that we are here. It is by your love and your mercy, by your agape love that we are here, that we are able to have the strength and the hope every single day to wake up each day to face the battles that is in front of us. God, we are not timid by the plan and the attack of the enemy. God, we know what kind of world that we are living in. We see the news. We travel. We've been on missions. We see the, the shape of the world with natural disasters, with people hitting one another, and so many violence and everything that's happening around us. We understand that any moment that the devil can attack and it could hurt our family members and it could bring our faith down. That God, the trials and the difficulties, God, it is a reality and it is real. But Lord, we are not afraid. For God, you are with us. That even in the midst of our fear, God, you help us to overcome. God, remember 1 John 4 4. The one who is in us is greater and stronger than the one who is out in the world. We remember 1 Corinthians, the bracelet that we wear. 1 Corinthians 1557, that we have victory through Jesus Christ. So God, as a church, as we reflect on one year, let us not be discouraged. Let us not stay remaining discouraged, remaining down, allowing our circumstances to dictate our faith. But help us be faithful in pursuing you every day and having the hope for the next day for our past that you will heal all of our past that God that you are with us in our present and God our future is secure for God we have access to the tree of life that is promised for us God we thank you for the eternal life that we have in you God help us to be faithful in the short life that we have one life one chance help us to be faithful to you today in every season in all seasons through the good times, help us to seek you. Through the bad times, help us to seek you. Through the bad times, help us to get on our knees. in the good times, help us to get on our knees and to be thankful to give you praise and thanksgiving with an attitude of gratitude every single day. Holy Spirit, we need you. Watch over this church, this small church. God, who are we? that you are mindful of us, that you hear us, God. Thank you for the journey that we were in this past year. Everything that we've been through, God. Glory to your name. We give you all praise and honor. We thank you for every trial. We thank you for every testing. Lord, forgive us for every sin that we've committed, even the sin of omission, commission, all the things that we were supposed to do, the right things that we're supposed to do, yet we were afraid and yet we didn't do. Lord, forgive us for those Help us to repent every single day, every moment, every season. Our God, as a church, we come before you right now. Repent of our sins. Teach us your ways that may walk in your truth. Help us to be passionate for your kingdom and for your kingdom only. God, use us as your vessel. Speak to us today. Lead us today. Father, we thank you we love you. Pray all these things in your precious son. Jesus Christ I pray. And God's people pray. Amen. If Antonio, if you could just get the lights in the back. As you watch this video, let's be in an attitude of thanksgiving and be very reflective and give praise to God. Let's give him thanks. Give him all the glory and praise and the honor that he deserves. Let's watch together.
1: It's true.
0: this moment right now to thank god for all the blessings from this past year as a church the things that we went through as a church all the good all the bad all the ups and downs let's just come and give god thanksgiving in every situation, for that is what God's will for us—to give Him thanks, to give Him thanksgiving for all the things that He has given and all the things that He has taken away. Let's just give praise to God. Let's give Him all the glory and the honor that He deserves. As we reflect upon this year, let's just give God thanks. Let's praise Him for who He is. Let's give Him thanks for He is good, for He loves us more of Him and less of us. Let's just give Him thanks and praise together. Let's the church, let's lift up our voices. Let's pray together. Let's give God thanks. For all the things that he, has been done, that he has done through us and in us, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come before
2: you, God, as a church. that we thank you for the love, for your grace, for your end that not been lost, God. The love that you continue to show to our church and to this ministry, God, this moment is free. God, who are we, God, that you're here? Love, it's the two greatest commandments. to love you my love with all of our hearts, so am I the strength. and got to love one another.
0: song. Let's sing this love for me was crucified. All for me he rose again. Jesus Christ, love that will return for us. There's none in earth or heaven not to keep me from your love, never ending. This agape love, wonderful. Jesus Christ, is agape love. Let's sing together this love. Let's make this our song and our prayer before God. love for
1: me crucified oh for me he rose again Christ Jesus love that we
0: with our eyes closed with our hands lifted high just saying this love for me was crucified let's all lift up our hands as a symbol of surrender and worship to our father as a physical posture and a heart and a reflection of our heart and our attitude before god with with reverence let's just come and let's just sing this song together this love sing together
1: Oh, for me he rose again, Christ Jesus. Love that will return for us. There is none in earth or heaven, none to keep me from his love, never ending. Wonderful. Jesus Christ One more time, this love. This love. Is voices? This love for me was crucified. Oh, for me he rose again. Christ Jesus, love that will return for us. There is none in earth or heaven, none. From his love, never ending, wonderful Jesus Christ, his love.
0: I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken your first love. Consider and think how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from this place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is, which is in the paradise of our God. Father, we just thank you for reminding us again that's about first love, it's about you. Forgive us for forgetting. We have forgotten our first love, help us turn back to our first love which is you God help us to consider and to repent and do the things that we did at first and the answer is God we have to repent we have to think about our actions and our lives if we do not repent God it's a reminder for us that you'll remove our lampstand meaning we will no longer be useful in the kingdom of God that our church will no longer be useful Father help us to never forget help us to never choose works over you God Oh God, we cannot do things in order to earn your love. We cannot do things for you to love us anymore or to do things for you to love us any less. You love us always with your agape love, And from the overflow of the love and the forgiveness that we have, help us to serve you and to honor you and to live for you. Sanctify us, O oh Lord, as we abide in you. Renew us, regenerate us, transform us from our mind to our body and to our spirit and to our heart, God. Let us be in line with who you are. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. And as God's people we pray. Amen.